1: Talk is about to begin.
0: Hey,
2: hey, hey, come on in. Welcome back to the weekend Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com, Dougley, Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. Papa, will you tell us stories of what it's like to watch football practice? I've heard people tell tales, but I haven't done it myself for so long. Is it wonderful? Is it glorious? Did you see an offensive player move to defense? A receiver move to tight end? Does someone have a stomach bug? Papa Baird, will you please tell us what it was like to watch Ohio State football practice on Friday for the first time in a year?
1: Glorious was exactly the word I was going to use. I was uh, I was really just just the just the just being in the woody was I was pretty much blinded by it. And it was tough because you only got twenty minutes, so like well, I had to like try to quickly regain my sight and 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 assess what was happening in front of me, which which wasn't a lot.
2: Papa Baird, Papa Baird, was there stretching? How much stretching was a there? a bunch
1: of stretching it was it, and it's the best kind of stretching, right, because it's that stretching where they're like all walking in like these lines and they're stretching as they walk and like lunging. It's more lunging than stretching, I would say.
2: You are going to get technical st- about you it. are a stick with on
1: the microphone
2: <laughs> that that is why you are a great journalist, more lunging than stretching Buckeye talk. All right. We did. I mean, like we're not going to so What somebody who works for Cleveland.com put actual eyeballs on a practice on Friday. So we're not going to, I mean, it's, it sounded like Nathan, it's what we normally get, which is you go in, you get the stretching and the warm up and like a period or two, they opened it for like, one person sort of per outlet it sounded like so Stephen and I didn't, didn't go. Nathan was there. there's another opportunity on Monday. but there is some stuff that you observe like it's the whole thing we said of like, well, we're trying to ask about depth chart we're trying to ask about this or that. you guys observed a couple things on Friday that led to questions when we then talked to Ryan Day late Friday morning. So let's deal with that first and then we also have talked to Matt Barnes since we' podcasted with you guys last and I know you guys I think talked about Matt Barnes on the recruiting pod, but What's the secondary look like? There's some more information around that, but two position switches are of interest here. As we, we hit the weekend Buckeye talk. What tell us about what you saw with G Scott and sort of what everybody's reaction was when you sort of got an inkling of what might be going on with who a guy who is a really highly rated receiver recruit.
1: So I'm trying to remember, didn't, didn't he get, didn't somebody, I thought I floated out there on a pod one time, like, Hey, isn't this like, would this make any sense at all? And I think we had a little discussion about it just because of where he was potentially on a depth chart and his size relative to the other receivers. Like, would it make sense at all? And uh, so I didn't see, I saw him, it was almost like one of those things where like, you're writing down a bunch of numbers and it like came to me later in the practice. Like, I think he was working with the tight ends and other people saw it too. And he was, and, um, The way Ryan Day explained it when we got to talk to him was this is something G. Scott approached them about, said, hey, would this make some sense? Here's why it might make sense. He said the biggest thing when you look at G. Scott, and we probably brought it up at the time, that like he's like 40 pounds below, listed about 40 pounds below, 30 pounds below, where they usually have their baseline basement for what a tight end would weigh. And the way Ryan Day explained it was, in addition to all the other things, I guess, that they they think about him. But I made sure to follow up and ask, like, do you guys see the – is part of this that there's a projectable frame for him, a projectable tight end frame? And Ryan Day said that G. Scott described it as he's really struggling to stay under 215 as it is, that if you were to just kind of unleash him and let him maybe develop more, like, naturally towards where he should be rather than having to try to stay under a weight. That he can get closer to that, like two hundred and forty level, pretty quickly. So that's part of this that they see a a opportunity for him to grow into that position in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect of another tight end. Now, I still think it's a it's a pretty big transition, and it would be interesting if Ohio State because even like Jeremy Ruckert is listed at whatever he's listed at, you know, two
2: fifty two or something, yeah, yeah. 5, right. So again,
1: it just, it's just it's it's a significantly bigger athlete 65 250 compared to 63 210 is significantly different so does g scott even by potentially moving to the end room and ryan day said hey we don't know if this is full time yet but it's something we're doing this spring i the fact that they're doing it to this extent at all though makes me think it's there's definitely potential there but do they does he get used in a different way as a tight end than they have used a tight end before i don't know that's what i'm I, that's what intrigues me like do they make it a more modern quote-unquote tight end than what they've used before and how does that get used in this offense
2: and that you're talking like not as much like end of the line inline blocking ramming into an offense ramming into a defensive lineman is it more h talking about
1: split out yeah is that how they get the
0: wide receivers on the field i put in quotation marks because it's a tight end who really has a lot of receiver and listen they split as we talked
2: about a million times before When they go five wide, it's because they put their regular personnel grouping on the field and split everybody out. And then, by the way, when they split out the receiver and the tight end like that, they never throw to them. It's just a way to split it out and empty the backfield and let the quarterback run half the time or throw a quick slant or something. So, But, you know, there is enough work that a tight end does that you're not in line. And if you can get up big enough so that when you are called upon to block, it's just I think it's one of those things. The defense has to think you're capable of blocking. So that when G Scott comes in the game, they aren't like, well, he's just, all right, whatever, how he's listed. He's just going to run a route. He's not going to do anything else. We're going to go nickel personnel and put a corner on him. It's, it's fine. It's no big deal. You have to be enough of a threat multiple, right? That Well, I mean, they could run the ball with him because he's a good enough blocker. You know, Jeremy Ruckert is a really good blocker. Now I don't know if Jeremy Ruckert was a really good blocker when he got here. So if G Scott starts this progression and in two years, right by year four is like a nice like healthy muscled up 235 and you know what it's like a pretty okay blocker and a great pass catcher as a tight end i could i could see that nathan like our steven like is this how much can you see this steven
0: i mean i can see it now that it's a a real thing Uh, yeah i think that not necessarily as good as jeremy Rucker, but that idea of a tight end and It opens up the opportunity for you to still use two tight end sets if you want to use some of those walk-ons or guys like Cade Stober as blockers or Bennett Christian when he gets on campus as a blocker. You still have a receiving tight end and it still leaves that 12 personnel window open. So, uh, yeah, I can see it. He's
2: got a ways to go. I was just looking at the 2020 NFL Combine measurements because there wasn't a Combine this year in 2021. And all the tight ends at the Combine, the lightest one was 240. Like that's, you know, he's got... But if he's struggling to stay under 215 and it's like, okay, well, can you get another 25 pounds? He might get another 12 pounds easy, right? Because maybe he really is naturally like 227, 230, and now they're going to ask him to bulk up 10 or 15 pounds. I don't think it sounds impossible, and and I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, and I know – Um, You know, G. Scott Sr. is as smart about this kind of stuff as as any parent you'll find. I mean, he's he's around NFL players. He's around the league. He understands how football works. I would imagine some portion of this, Nathan, is that like he looks around at the room, just like we look around at the room. And it's like, okay, well, you know, if you right now are saying what's the path to the field, be a receiver at Ohio State or be a tight end with who they have around him, Clearly, there's more opportunity at tight end. And that has to factor into this a little bit, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. As I wrote um, in the piece that I posted after the Ryan Day press conference, it's like you start looking around that room and it's like, well, I mean, just for this year, Olave Wilson, you got some kind of rotation is going to happen at that third spot. He would seem to be no better than like fourth in line there, right? You got Jameson Williams, you got Jackson Smith and Jigma, you got Julian Fleming. You just added Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. and and Jaden Ballard. Like it's just there's just so much receiver talent flooding into this room at all times that it makes sense that they would maybe try to take someone else on this offense and try them at tight end because they are so thin there. Do you, Doug, do you remember Dustin Keller from yes. I, I hate bringing up Purdue names? But that's a name that has always kind of lingered in the back of my mind. Like, could could Ohio State find someone like him? I think he was about 6'2", 245, somewhere around in there. Now, kind of a freak athlete, though. He was like a, a track star, basketball star in high school. But I could see... A, a parallel there to the kind of athlete g scott is and you could make that conversion with someone like him but the thing that made someone like keller work and has made other uh, um, glorified receivers as tight ends work is the way that that offense chose to use him too so that's kind of my other factor here it's like if he can't ever grit to get to the size of a a, a record or a feral but he could still be productive in this offense, but I think it, it would it would involve a little bit of a tweak of how Ohio State chooses to use the tight end a little bit. And Ryan Day can figure it out. Like if yeah. they
2: get, you know, if, if G Scott never gets to 240, if G Scott is like a really good pass catcher who's six three, two thirty-two, he can really catch the ball. They can get him close enough in blocking, right, that it's okay. They'll figure it out. I mean, they, and they want to use him. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like we said again, it's like, all right, well, what's your slot receiver? Well, I don't know. Maybe G. Scott's like a like a split-out tight end slot. I mean, like Ryan Day could figure it out if he shows. And sometimes it's okay to be unique. I do. You get caught in between. And we're going to talk about another guy who, who has been caught in between his whole career. I can go both ways. Like if you're kind of like, well, you're kind of this, you're kind of that. I think it can be dicey sometimes that you're never sure what you are and they never know how to use you. On the other hand, if you have a bunch of guys on the roster, we have some really good tight ends. We have some really fast receivers. And then we have this guy. He's not like anybody else on the roster, but he's good at the things he does. Let's use him. I think sometimes that can work. And G Scott, Noah Brown, I think is the the closest comparison he was uh, I'm trying. To, I was like sitting here looking up Noah Brown. He was like 6'2", 222. He was like the well, I think of like a big receiver in recent Ohio State history who sort of succeeded. Like there's the funny thing of like they accidentally like ran a jet sweep with Noah Brown one time in a game. And it was like, what was that? It was like it was wrong personnel grouping because no one should run a. But Noah Brown's the kind of guy that, you know, you get the ball in the air and he posts somebody up a little bit and he he's in the NFL right now. You know, he was never a tight end. He's a big receiver. I did think, you know, G. Scott as a big receiver also makes sense. But trying to fit this in, especially with where they are at tight end. I mean, like if he can block once Ruckert leaves, I'm not so sure he might not be like the best tight end, <laughs> the tight end with Steven, right? Like with the most potential. And that's not take it's just like recruiting rankings and they matter the best, a little bit. You?
0: Just this I mean, overall skill set in general, just throw out recruiting rankings for a second. It's just he has a wide receiver skills background yeah. already. And Joe Royer, to an extent, yeah, because you don't really see tight end uses in Ohio football at, from a passing standpoint. And then Cade Stover was playing linebacker and running back. So just from a, st- just a background standpoint, he's already ahead of those guys as a receiving tight end, regardless of who was ranked higher. And it's just one of those things
2: that's like, okay, if he's making this switch, he's not going to help him this year. He's like learning a new position mm. and putting on weight. All right. So then Ruckert's gone in 2022. And if you think Cade Stover's like the main guy and you have this other collection of guys, it's like, could G Scott work in in 2022 at receiver? Yeah. I mean, if they've like, if they have really spent a year teaching him how to block and get bigger, he could work in. And then by year four, Redshirt Jr. could like G Scott have figured it out and be a guy? Like, yeah, I, I, I think that's possible. So it's just hard. Because he's like a top 100 player at receiver. And it's like, well, I thought he might have 70 catches his second year. And it's like, listen, man, like, there's a lot of dudes here. Like, not everybody can do that. So I like it. And, and Nathan Ryan Day was sort of asked about, Jeremy Birmingham asked him about, like, position switches. you know, when do you do them? Good for the player, good for the team. How do you work it out? It was a good question. He gave a good answer. But what seems to be united here is that the, the player wants it. And then the team's like, cool. We'll try it. And that's an important way to do this.
1: Yeah, I, I thought that was one of the most interesting things about this was that G. Scott saw something in himself. Maybe it was part of it was depth chart stuff. But I think he also just saw something himself athletically that made that made sense to try this. And again, as you said, like he comes from a background where there is kind of a close connection to um, a, a professional. Like you know that, that that NFL mindset, and that maybe it put that picture in his mind a little bit too, because there's plenty of guys in the NFL who get used this way with with, with similar similar athletic backgrounds. So I think you're right that it's it, this isn't so much a storyline still for 2021. I still think this is the Jeremy Ruckert plus. TBA probably Cade Stover someone else I think that's the picture of tight ends for fall 2021 but I it's a it's a very intriguing long-term thought to think that like where could he be 20 pounds down the road if he retains this kind of speed it's a really interesting matchup option for Ohio State
0: I've often who spent his childhood being around professionals thinking like a pro I mean, the first thing you brought up his father, the first thing G Scott just did is tag Richard Sherman and say, hey, what do you think of this move? Which means that in private, this conversation has probably happened between him and his father and whoever else they, they whose opinion they value. In that. But this is where can I get the most value out of myself as an athlete? And for him to have that understanding of himself at 18 or 19 years old, that's a guy who's been around these type of guys who think like this and get paid to think like this his entire life. And he can catch the ball. Like if they
2: try this and he moves up a little bit and wait and works on blocking. And if it doesn't really quite click, they can go back. You can go back and be a big receiver. And like, that's, that's always an option too. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I like it. I think it's smart and it, it is a reminder though of like you think of it's like, okay, Jeremy Ruckert is like a big smooth athlete who can catch the ball at tight end. G Scott seems like a big smooth athlete who could catch the ball at tight end. Jeremy Ruckert is 35 pounds heavier than G Scott right now. It is a reminder of like these tight ends when you get yeah, like you have a couple to, inches taller. Mm-hmm. this is the, what the, the, the athletic combinations of what tight ends are with how much they have to be able to move, but how much weight and strength they have to have to be able to block. I mean, it really is a, a remarkable combination that like, well, you're not, You're not 210 like a receiver and you're not 290 like a tackle. You're right in between and you have to do both. And so as much as I think G. Scott can do this, like as we sit here right now, he's got a lot to do to get to Jeremy Ruckert's stage, right? Like, you know, 35 pounds and learn to block and all this stuff. That's a lot to ask, but he has time to do it. And he's a really good, smart, hardcore football player, right? I just think like, Maybe it's just the association with Richard Sherman that like when you think of like who was like a smart guy, but who also is like just a like a bad guy, like a tough guy. Like that's a football player, but he's also like totally like in control of his own career and knows what's up like Richard Sherman pops to mind like that. And so I associate G Scott, like with Richard Sherman. But
0: I, I dreadlocks. I, yeah.
2: But like just like that. Like G. Scott and his father are not going to let anybody like make them do something they don't want to do. And they're not going to make a rash decision. Right. And I'm not saying that, I guess, the other families, other families, a lot of times you just don't know. And, and if a coach is like, hey, we need you to do this, it's like, OK, I'll do whatever the team needs me to do. You know, like I just think not that the Scots wouldn't do that, but they're really pragmatic, I think, about how football works. So if this is happening, it's because they want it to happen. So I think it's really interesting. I'm actually less interested in the other move that is actually to the other side of the ball. And of course we're going to talk about it, but Steven, you're kind of, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this other move, it's, it's a fun conversation standpoint. I just don't know what it's going to lead to.
0: It's more interesting with G Scott cause he's in year two. And so you can see, okay, maybe give it a year of development and then let's see what happens. The same with the Cade Stover and Comante Hamilton when they made their switches, this is year six with Demario McCall. This, this is, there is, I don't see a route to the field here. Because as we just talked about with the other guys, they you need a year to just get used to playing the position and learning it. Well, he doesn't have a year to learn the position. And there are already some other guys who we feel like just can just plop right into that role, whether it's Marcus Williamson or Cam Martinez or all down the line. So I just don't see. OK, good for him. But at the same time, it doesn't, I don't see a path to the field.
1: I see a path to the practice field this spring because seven banks is not practicing. Cam Brown's not practicing. Um, some of these true freshmen are not with the program yet. So and
2: I'm, I, I'm going to interrupt just people. I didn't actually say it. I thought maybe you guys would say it tomorrow. McCall is uh-oh. moving to defense and he's playing oh, yeah. corner. So that's what we're talking about. He's playing cornerback. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Sorry. I forgot that hadn't actually been yeah, spoken. Sorry. Um, so so there's definitely – because when we talk about the receivers on this team, we never talk about DeMario McCall. Like, we just had a whole thing. Like, we named off, like, ten receivers in that last segment. Where nobody mentions DeMario McCall, even though he's in that room, and they certainly don't mention him with the running backs. So he was kind of a man without a country a little bit, other than being a kick returner. I think he's still probably in that role this year. That wouldn't surprise me if he's still this team's number one kick returner. But we saw no other place for him. Like, it seemed like – a, almost a waste to have him in the receiver room or a waste to have him in the running back room. He's not going to really ever play at those positions, and they're starting to stack up multiple guys who you would put ahead of him. So I, from a what-the-heck standpoint, I guess I understand, especially this spring, where the numbers are, are a little bit lower in the cornerback group, put him over there and see if there's something there because there's almost no harm to it, and there's not a lot still to be gained from leaving him in the receiver room.
2: I don't want to put words in Demari McCall's mouth. We've talked about this. He got caught in between... We were a little surprised that he's even back for this season. I think Demario McCall must be a great stinking guy. He must be like a good guy to have in the locker room. He must be a good guy to have on the practice field. If he wants to be a football coach and he got five years of learning offense at Ohio State, and now he's going to get a year of learning defense, makes sense to me. So we don't want to be unrealistic about what does it mean for the 2021 Ohio State Buckeyes and their chances of making the college football playoff. It doesn't mean anything. But for Demario McCall's life and for what Demario McCall has in his future, great. Love it. So we just, but you're our audience. We care about what, we just don't want you to, you know, start thinking about, oh, well, what if Demario McCall is covering, you know, Justin Ross on third down in the college football playoff in the fourth quarter? It's like, that's that's not, it's not going to be what happens. Just like we have realistic conversations about walk-on receivers here. Like, it's great. It's a great story. But when we're talking about football, it's just not really a football story. So I'll tell you what, though. This is a resume. And if if that's what DeMario wants to do, whether he wants to be a college coach, whether he wants to be an NFL scout, whether he wants to be an NFL coach, whether he wants to be a high school head coach, whatever, man, he is building a base of knowledge. And I admire guys who realize it, right? It reaches a point where it's like, well, I'm not really getting on the field here. I'm probably not going to make it in the NFL. So what am I going to do? Start planning for what's next, man. And if this is a step of Demario McCall planning for what's next, he is he is thinking three steps ahead, which is great for him. So um, there is some other secondary stuff, though, that we have learned since we talked to you guys last. And we'll get into that next on Buckeye Talk. Try the text. Let's try the text. 614-350-3315. As we record this Friday afternoon, we are finishing off the second round of the candy region. We're almost in the Sweet 16. And I did inform Combos and Cheez-Its on Twitter that, yeah, the Salty Sweet 16, the Sweet 16, yeah, um, I tweeted at Combos and Cheez-Its that they had a rough-and-tumble second-round match, and Combos prevailed 55-45, and I was seeking comment from either of them. And Cheez-Its, not surprisingly, as the loser, did not respond. But Combos did respond and was like, what? I <laughs> like the Combos' actual response. <laughs> know, is basically it's like, like, what's this about? What's, what's happening here? <laughs> so I just, I just informed Combos that you are in the Sweet 16 of the Buckeye Talk podcast, gas station snack bracket. And if you win, you should come on the podcast. So I also realize that I'm talking to a snack like it's a person, but talking to a snack like it's a person. Buckeye talk. I mean, that's, you know, so we would love to have combos on. We'd love to have combos on, and they are in the Sweet 16.
1: I, I was reminded this week why I respect Cheez-Its so much as a brand, and it was because a couple of years ago I was walking through the grocery store, and I noticed a new flavor of Cheez-Its, and it was the, like, extra done Cheez-Its or like I don't remember what they call them they're like the the burnt Cheez-Its almost basically and I was like they're great like I got them and they're fantastic I really think they're good but it like it also dawned on me that like this is clearly just like and it used to be that they would like pull these out as they're going down the assembly line or whatever and like throw them in a bin. And somebody was like, hey, uh, why don't we just box those up and sell them to some jerk in Indiana? And somebody's like, that's a good idea. And now they're they they made what used to just be the waste of the Cheez-Its is now a new brand of Cheez-Its. Yeah. New from Cheez-Its, swept up off the floor, Cheez-Its. <laughs> dusty, <laughs> dusty <laughs> Cheez-Its,
2: <laughs> soggy <laughs> Cheez-Its. <Yes. laughs> yeah. Uh so, anyway, so if you are in the, if you're a tech subscriber, you get to do that. It's a 14 day free trial, 3 dollars a month after that. All right. Matt Barnes uh, spoke with reporters on Thursday. News also came out that Seven Banks is out for the rest of spring. He joins Cam Brown in being out for, for spring. Uh, news is out that Cam Martinez looks like a player. And we are starting, starting, Stephen, starting, starting. Bit by bit to sort of well, I mean, the fact that like banks and Brown are out opens up opportunities, but you still make assumptions about them, but it, it's not great that they're not playing. I don't We're learning a little more, right? Is the secondary picture maybe it's not even getting more
0: clear. Maybe it's getting more interesting, but we have more information than we did a week ago, right? I think we can start to validate some of maybe our um, thoughts on who we think might be the starting back end. Obviously, seven banks and maybe Captain Brown when she's healthy and whatnot. But I think at this point, it's clear Josh Proctor is a single high safety. It's what it is now. He's only practicing there, which can help because he can focus a little bit more, which he he admitted to as well. But the idea of Lathan Ransom being first, second down, that cover safety guy, and then Cameron Martinez being that nickel, I think you can start to write it and pin a little bit more. And it's it's less assumption, a little bit more validated, I think, is what we got out of the that that what 20 minute interview with Matt Barnes. All right. So we so
2: Proctor's the deep guy. And as you Mm -hmm. said, he said, I'm not moving around anymore. Like he is not he's not playing Proctor.
1: He's just playing deep safety, right? It was not like adamantly said. I mean, he said that that's where he he wants to be. And he thinks that that would be good for him to be able to focus on position. But he did also say, if they tell me to move around again, that's what I'll do. Okay, so that guy we know, Lathan Ransom, Nathan,
2: you wrote about Lathan Ransom, right? Like, so what? <laughs> who is Lathan Ransom and
1: what does he do? I know who that he is. was essentially he the do? thesis of that story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wrote who are him? you? Who is I, this person on the football team? <laughs> I know
2: that you covered a guy who's going to be the ninth pick in the draft in the national championship game. I know you covered him one on one on a snap, but who are you? <laughs>
1: And that is kind of the crux of of Lathan Ransom right now. There's just like every report we get back on him is positive. And it's not just I thought it was it was good to hear from people like Marcus Williamson and Josh Proctor that um, whatever, you know, flashing, whatever he was confident. But like they they talk about him as far as like his his how professional he's acting. The fact that he shows up and he's eager to learn things and he's trying to get better. I think those things do matter. Maybe they say him about everybody, but not always. And, And they were that that was what they were putting out about him um i tried to ask matt barnes the very question that we were kind of theorizing about i think on this podcast earlier this week which was mm-hmm. like exp- make, explain this to me like i'm stupid like is a nickel a same as a slot corner essentially is he an option there and immediately he always like started smirking i think before I was even done with the question and then he's like well this isn't what you guys are going to hear but everybody's playing everywhere um which may be true right now with, with guys getting hurt and not being well, able to play. You knew what Maybe you were asking
0: though. <laughs> should have right. known. And I don't
1: understand why they, why they can't just say, Oh, I understand what you're, yes, you want to, you're asking me about a football philosophy question. Yeah. Here's the answer to that. They, they treat everything like we're trying to get the, the nuclear codes about their depth chart. And it's not necessarily what I was going for there. So I, I think I, I could still see him. I, I could see what he did last year as, as a more established thing. Um, I don't know if I, Believe yet, as far as like Cameron Martinez being like the nickel guy, yet it could still be Lathan Ransom as that nickel corner, it could also be Lathan Ransom as that, um, that cover safety, as they call it, a strong safety. Because Marcus Williamson said that he's almost exclusively working at slot right now, so now, which is
2: what he played the brunt of last year, he was the slot corner, but then he was also like the second deep safety in the playoff but he's not saying he's playing a bunch of deep safety at the moment. No.
1: Right. And I thought that that w- was somewhat significant. doesn't mean he won't still end up playing there in the fall, but right now he says he's almost exclusively playing slot, which makes me think that probably is where Lathan Ransom would be trending. Um, Cause I don't think they see him long-term as like an outside corner. I think it would either be one of those in the box guys or this, this cover safety. So who do we think at the moment then is the
2: second deep safety? Is it Lathan Ransom like either a if Josh Proctor wasn't on the field for some reason, Josh Proctor uh, had to go save a baby squirrel and missed a series. Who's the deep safety or if they played two deep safeties, who's
0: who is it? I think if they play two, it's Lathan. Um, If Josh is not out there. Do we not know it's Lathan? I don't think it's Lathan. And I don't think we know.
1: I think it might be someone like Bryson Shaw, which is why it's critical that Josh Proctor is good this year and healthy and healthy. Okay.
2: Do we think we are now talking about Marcus Williamson and Cam Martinez in the same way? And is it possible that
1: they are competing for playing time as the slot corner? Uh, Maybe Uh, I, uh, you know, we, because we asked, we asked some. Matt, Marcus Williamson was asked directly about the kind of relation between him and Lathan Ransom. So that's what kind of kept that in the back of my mind because he basically said like, we are kind of talking about that, like how how we sort of play together. So maybe that means Lathan Ransom would be in that slot mix. I, I'm not sure. It, but the, the, what, what Matt Barnes said about Cam Martinez was that he has played outside. He is he's even played some safety. So. I think he's a guy, I think we've always kind of looked at him this way, right? That like, there's an athlete here, there's a playmaker here there. It makes sense to put him on defense long-term, but it's more about maybe more than a lot of guys. It makes sense to try him in a lot of places and find where you need him the most, where he fits the most and develop that as opposed to ahead of getting ahead of yourself and pigeonholing him in somewhere. Let that kind of happen a little bit more organically. It seems like that might be
0: happening. I think Marcus Williamson and Cameron Martinez are competing for that slot spot. Okay. And I think Marcus Williamson might have it at the beginning of the year, but by the time we get to end of the year, Cameron Martinez will have it. Because here's
2: what's happening with Cam Martinez, right? And, and a lot of all all the sites, everybody who covers Ohio state, I think was sort of in the same range on this. He's a football player. He might've even been underrated as a recruit in terms of who he is as a football player. He was the Gatorade player of the year at Michigan. And Ohio State has had success in Michigan. I don't know that the talent in Michigan as of late has led them there as much as they were there before. I would say that Ohio State, in terms of wanting to recruit and believing in its ability to recruit the state of Michigan, is still high. If they aren't pulling as many Michigan guys right now, I think Ohio State would believe that's because they don't think there are as many guys in Michigan who they need to be fighting for. And they fought for Cam Martinez. It was practically job one when Kerry Combs, one of the best recruiters in college football, who was tasked with going to Michigan when he got here, when Urban Meyer got here, Urban Meyer and Kerry Combs were in a meeting and Urban Meyer said, how come there's a bunch of Ohio guys on Michigan's team and there's no Michigan guys on on Ohio State's team? And they said, I don't know. That doesn't seem quite right. And Kerry Combs and Urban Meyer decided like, you know what? We should probably try to do something about that. Whether we get the guys or not, we're at least going to scare Michigan. If they're going to come here, we're going to go there. And at least we're going to make them play defense. And Kerry Combs said, I'm going. And Urban said, go get them. And that was how Kerry Combs started recruiting Michigan. And that's how he got Damon Webb and Mike Weber and Josh Allaby And then like the next, and then like when he came back, it was like, okay, Kerry Combs left for two years. And when he got back, one of the first things, maybe the first thing was Cam Martinez did not sign in December in the midst of the uncertainty, right? There was go Mm -hmm. get him, get him back. And that's what Kerry Combs did a Michigan player who they projected in the secondary. And here's your secondary coach who's recruited Michigan. Well, They valued Cam Martinez. And the only thing, and it relates to the Demario McCall thing, is don't get caught in between. Because I forgot to say when talking about Demario McCall on defense, it reminds me of Eric Glover-Williams, my guy Superman. I love Superman. Is he offense? Is he defense? Is he a slot receiver? Is he a slot corner? He's nothing. He never worked out here because he got caught in between. If you believed in Cam Martinez as a football player and you found him a spot and said, go do this, I think a lot of people believe like that could be pretty good. And I think, Stephen, like that's what is happening right now. He is clearly a corner and he is making plays and he is ready in year two to challenge for playing time. And now that he's figured they have figured out what to do with him, you unleash him a little bit and he might be ready to go.
0: That's like the key when you're listed as an athlete and you're actually an athlete and not an athlete who's just for some reason, like Keon Sab in the 2022 class is listed as an athlete, but he's, he's going to be a free safety. Denzel Burke is going to have the same situation where when you're actually listed as an athlete, where you could play three or four positions, you got to key in on one thing and not maybe split positions after your freshman year. And Cam Martinez is now the example Denzel Burke can use. It's okay. He carved out a role. As a cornerback, whether he's a starter this year or not, it's clear at this point he is a cornerback. Denzel Burke needs to follow because he's been brought up a couple times this spring as well. That follow Cam Martinez, do exactly what he did. And whether that's as a slot, a safety as a, or as an outside corner, make sure that it's very clear where you belong and what, in what room you belong in, Woody, in the Woody.
2: With this, Nathan, this feels like to me, one of these, again, the idea of like the first two years is kind of on the coaches, the third years on the player. Year one for Cam Martinez here was like, okay, he's got to figure out what's going on. Year two is like, okay, here we go. He's making a move. And now, again, here, what are we basing this on? Half a spring practice that nobody has watched. And they put up two clips of Cam Martinez making interceptions. That's enough for me. It doesn't take much, honestly. I saw Garrett Wilson play one slot Snap. And I was like, eh, I mean, if I had to guess right now, I can't remember what we did on depth, what If you were asking me right now, like, what does the secondary look like in 2022? I think I would say, well, Cam Martinez is starting somewhere. That's where I've come based on practically nothing, Nathan, but it's the belief in a football player finding his spot, whether does he beat out Marcus Williamson? I mean, I think Nathan, Steven makes a good point, maybe late in the year, maybe not right away. I mean, he's a player, but whether or not it happens right now, it feels like he's on a path to it happening at
1: least by next year. Yeah. And, and to go back to the, the old urban Meyer saying, I was thinking about this today, that that doesn't apply as well in this particular moment, because that first year, again, you know, Cameron Martinez was not an early enrollee. So he got here Mm -hmm. in the summer, except he didn't get here in the summer the way he was supposed to because of COVID. So that throws everything off. So even that first year, is not really even that good a good first year for guys to really get their foundation set. So this is his first spring. He had a, a, a half of a season last year, and so and so that does mean something to me. When you start hearing about guys who came in under that scenario and they're starting to make some moves, I think that might mean something. And the other things that Matt Barnes was talking about, and you know, coaches say stuff. You never know what how much is they're being effusive over a guy because they were asked about him, or how much they were like being effusive because they were hoping to get asked about him and they, they really want to rave about a guy, but he's talking about things about like every room that came Martinez goes into when he comes out, whoever he was just in there talking with or interacting with is raving about him, whether that's nutrition or strength or any of that stuff. And, and I think the fact that he's, again, he's saying that, to me, I'm going to take it on face value that he wouldn't say that about everybody. He's saying it about him in particular. It's Again, it's kind of that professional approach that I think sometimes helps the young guys really separate and start to make a move. So I, I'm with you guys that I think, especially in the long term, I don't know if he has a big role in 2021 still, but the 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 kernel is there for that to grow into something at, that we've always kind of seen, that guy that can grow into a real defensive role and, and still has kind of like those playmaker instincts Beneath it, that could be re- something really intriguing
0: to the point of guys who didn't early enroll and might have a role this year. Uh, Lathan Ransom was also that. And then he's getting snaps in the Big Ten championship game and the national championship. And he also showed up in the summer, not at the right time that he was supposed to show up. So that's I just want that's impressive. The fact that, I mean, he looked pretty good out there for a guy who had a weird year and also wasn't an early enrollee.
2: So let's talk about another guy who's starting to emerge a little bit. We do these things. We started doing this thing called Buckeye Bits, where it's like a lead note and then a lot of little quick hit things, sort of wraps up what coaches or players said on a certain day. Make sure you guys are reading cleveland.com slash OSU. There's always like good like stories about individual guys, but these bits kind of give you little quick hits on everything you need to know. And Nathan, the other day after talking to Matt Barnes, you led the bits with Denzel Burke who is another guy right who's like interesting what what was interesting about the conversation that Matt Barnes had about Denzel Burke who's a first year guy
1: so there's a little bit of parallel here with K Martinez except the fact that he didn't come in as a freshman and, and Burke is here early enrolling as a freshman because he was a you know two-way player in high school really thought of even more as like an offensive player in high school I think right Stephen you know more yeah. about his recruiting
0: uh, never, profile than I did but he had never taken a snap as a cornerback until he got here he was a wide receiver right so
1: um so that's what's been I think the most interesting thing about that you would expect there to be a transition period. And there is, I mean, it's not like he's saying he's ready to go be a starting cornerback right now, but Matt Barnes basically getting to the point of whether it was because he had played a lot of seven on seven or whether he had a good trainer that he worked with before he got here, but something has helped him come in and look very natural at cornerback from even a technical standpoint, when you start talking about playing press band coverages and things like that, that he's adapted to those things pretty quickly and looks more natural than a what you would expect from a true freshman who doesn't really have a background at that position.
2: Steven, does that surprise you at all? I mean, you know, having covered him in recruiting, does it surprise you that he's a guy whose name is on, you know, on the lips of the secondary coach already?
0: From a natural just gift standpoint, no, but at the same time, he never played it. And also he missed basically his entire senior season because he had a a shoulder injury, I think his first or second game of the year. So I'm not surprised from a natural gift standpoint, but I'm surprised at how early. Maybe we get to fall camp and maybe we start hearing some things after he went through spring practice and had gotten some time and some snaps as a cornerback. So the the fact that it's happening now is surprising just because he never played before. Okay. Is there anything else? I want to play a game.
2: We're going to play a secondary game before we leave here. But Nathan, just sort of like news of the last two days, either what you saw at practice, something else that Matt Barnes said or that a secondary guy said, is there something that we need to cover that we haven't covered yet?
1: Not Nothing from practice. I mean, we, we I think we had hoped that we might get some seven-on-seven seven time today, and that, that didn't happen. We saw a little bit. We're glad that we got to see something, but it wasn't at the extent of what we thought it was originally going to be. Um, and I was mostly focused on the quarterbacks for a lot of that time. So, whose mechanics look good from the quarterbacks? Yeah, do we want who had the best
0: throwing that? mechanics?
1: Um, this... I think they all had, uh, they all had some good and bad. I posted a, a, just a couple minutes of video and people can see on there that, um, all three of those guys had some that looked like they had some zip and hit the guy they were supposed to hit. And there were all three of them had some that sailed on them a little bit. So, looked like freshman that... quarterbacks in the spring.
0: Now, often was Ryan Day over there? I think that's an interesting thing. Now, it's a, brand new quarterback
1: um, he was around. I mean, I, I, I didn't notice that as much.
0: If,
2: if they're splitting it, the reps three ways, we assume, could you tell, is there, if somebody's getting, if two guys are getting 33% of the snaps and one guy's getting 34% of the snaps, could you tell who the 34 was?
0: It was it CJ. <laughs> oh, CJ Stroud <laughs>
1: was typically the first guy going. It was just typically today stroud miller mccord or people probably will overreact to that to some extent um but what was happening was when they were doing the handoffs i think it was everybody was in there together but then they split into two groups and those three guys were in a group and then the other like the walk-ons were in a different group so those three guys were rotating through each getting one third they would each take one rep and then they would move on to the next thing
2: ryan day though was asked about the quarterback thing i can't remember who asked it because it was sort of the thing that we sort of talked about he's talked about a little bit that's like You're a quarterback guru. You get to work with these guys and start from scratch. Whereas, you know, you didn't get Justin from scratch and you didn't get Dwayne or JT from scratch. Like this is really the first, you know, time you really get to totally shape a quarterback. Like, do you love it? And he was like, yeah, I love it, except when it drives me crazy. And I did think it was interesting, Nathan, that he at least admitted like, yeah, I get it. We know we all agree. Yes, this is what I do. It is fun. But there was a little wistfulness of like, oh, remember in practice when Justin knew what to do and these three guys
1: don't yet, which is just a little peek at honesty of like they haven't played. Yeah, I I thought, again, it's continuing a theme that he's brought up multiple times, but just the idea of like, oh, a guy was put in a position for the first time and all of a sudden like Zach Harrison or Tyreek Smith was on top of him and he kind of crapped his pants a little bit. Like, don't freak out about that ryan day like he's telling himself like that's right. gonna happen you would have done the same thing when you were a freshman in college and you had those guys coming at you and you actually never knew what that was like at all because you played at new hampshire or whatever so like it's it's a different experience and i think that is a good perspective to hear from him that it's you're not overreacting to the moment it's more about okay what happens the next time i mean that's again everyone wants no i think people would would hope that we would go there and come back and say, well, just from those, those 10 minutes, I saw them throwing the ball today. I can tell you who's going to be the starter. And I, I can't do that because it's it's that's on how this process works.
0: My favorite thing is you can make the mistake once, but if you make it again,
2: now we got a problem. And which is, and I'm sure they are making, I mean, some of them are making it again. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, and and it's one of those things that it's going to be, I do think it's hard for, Guys who are like have played the position themselves are perfectionists, whatever. It's like, well, I mean, I mean, I made that mistake once, but I never made it again. It's like, well, you don't want to give up. What if there's a guy who does make it three times? But you have time to make it three times. It's okay. You just want to make sure that like by the time he gets to the game and it's the 113th time, he's not making the mistake. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to like make your decision about who the starter is based on, well, this guy got it you know, the second week in April and this other guy didn't get it until the second week in August because the guy in the second week of August might actually be better. He just needed a little more practice to get there. And I do think I like when Ryan Day sort of admits to like the this is kind of fun, but I am also going home and like pulling my hair out a little bit because they don't know what they're doing yet. And I will say that the point of and I'm sure you, it's not it wouldn't really be a question for Ryan Day, but it's like I could see like one of the TV guys like throwing it is like, Ryan, what's it like watching these guys in practice and remembering your days as a quarterback? I'm going to imagine they don't have any Zach Harrisons up there in New Hampshire. You know, and it's like, I mean, yeah, like Ryan Day. It's like, who's who's rushing me? It's like, oh, it's the oh, it's the best defensive end from Montpelier High School is like rushing me. It's like, oh, he's okay. It's not a defensive end who's going to play in the NFL in a year. So, you know, Kyle McCord was in high school last year. And now Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison, who both might be like top 50 picks a year from now, are trying to tear his arms off. And even if there's a rule that says you can't tear the quarterback's arm off in practice, he still might think it might happen. So I would get it if it takes you a couple reps to like, okay, I'm not I'm not settled in in the first week in April. Sorry.
0: To be fair, the first time we saw Justin, I think the first spring practice in 2019, he didn't look great. They were throwing balls. Left and right. Yeah, they, they, they didn't look great out there. Now, the next time we got to see him, he looked pretty good and obviously ended up being awesome. But that first practice was kind of. Uh...
2: And, and I remember having heard and having it. let I let it affect my thinking, having heard that, like, Justin Fields at freshman year at Georgia, like in practice, was sometimes all over the place throwing the ball. And then it was like, oh, then he got here and got on the field and he didn't miss a throw for two years. Like makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I almost was like, Oh, one of the things about Justin field is maybe he's not super accurate. And then it was like, Oh, was he 22 of 23 today? Okay. Well that turned out not to be the case at all. Okay. We're going to play Are the second Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean,
0: that, it was a random scout who said he was probably a six rounder this time.
2: It's uh, I mean, Ryan day did, did get asked about it. You guys know what we're talking about. I mean, there's just this weird stuff out there. Uh, listen, on, on one hand, On one hand, it's like, I don't, you know, this is the team we cover. That's his coach. Of course. Right. I mean, like, it's not that it's not that he should be immune from criticism. It's just the random sort of like off the cuff anonymous. Oh, I heard he doesn't work that hard kind of stuff that it's like, if someone was really, if it's, he's not above criticism, but be Make it real. Like, show us why you have that opinion. Right. I, it's just the, it's it's not the because uh, some of it is like, oh, well, you know, don't say it doesn't work hard. Of course, he works hard. It's like, I, you know, I, I understand that. But it's just the anonymous nature of it. But but just I mean, it was Ryan Day was asked about it, Nathan, and he did. He did respond. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he responded as you would expect. And but what what pissed me off about the Orlovsky thing was that the next day Orlovsky comes out and does a video saying like, well, since I said that, I've looked into this more, and I talked to somebody at Ohio State, and I talked to uh, John Beck, who's the one coaching him uh, for the draft, and they both said that's ridiculous, and he's a really hard worker and all this stuff. I'm like, well, why didn't you just like why 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 are you not making those calls before you like put your name on this thing that colors now the the opinion of, of, of the national opinion of this guy. I I don't understand that part of it. I think the first part of what he did has some merit, but only included with that second part. I think it, it makes sense to go find out, is there a reason why he's drifting back? Is, is this criticism legitimate that's coming from NFL people, but you've got to make that those second phone calls before you put that out there. You can't wait until the next day.
0: I will say in the name of Ryan day, obviously coming to the defense of his guy, I don't know how often he did that with Dwayne. With Dwayne, it seemed more like obviously, yes, yeah, he went in the first round, so he was we thought he was gonna leave, but there was a part of Ryan Day maybe who he constantly said, Dwayne leaving after three years after one year as a starter kind of threw us off a little bit and it set the stage for what we have now. But yeah, it doesn't seem like with Dwayne, he was as willing to kind of come to his defense with some of this stuff. Now, obviously, some of the criticism was different, but this seemed expected that Justin was going to leave after this year while with dwayne I don't it, it never felt like he felt Dwayne was ready to go to the NFL not just from a talent standpoint but everything else that goes with it yeah and we're seeing why now
2: yeah it's all goofy it's all goofy, but it is it's like the idea it's like it 's not like Kiefer Sutherland had like Dan Orlowski tied to a chair to strap the dynamite and was like, "Tell me what you've heard about Justin fields i don't care if it's incomplete information what have they said it's like you don 't have to what do you Why are you saying it? Just, you know, like gather all, like as you said before, Nathan, it's like, all right, I talked to 10 or 12 different people. Here's sort of what the, you know, there's some of this, but most people, you know, like just to be like, well, that's what they said. It's like, you don't have to repeat it. All right, we're playing the secondary game. These guys don't know what it is. It's actually not that fun. We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk.
1: It's actually not that fun. Buckeye Talk.
2: (laughs) All right, we're back. Last year, according to my favorite website, it's my favorite website. This The Disney World website is first, and my second favorite website is the 11 Warriors snap count. I can't help it. I just like to look at snap counts, and it's it's a lot of work that we don't have to do. I also was up on Friday morning. While Nathan was out watching practice, I was up making a Disney World dining reservations. Like when it was like, hey, people can go watch practice. I was like, uh, I'm busy Friday morning. I can't go watch practice. And it was like, oh, is something going on? It's like I have to make Disney World dining reservations on Friday morning. So I'm not a, uh, Nathan should go anyway. He's the primary football beat writer. But just so you know, I have something more important to do than my job. And it's booking a breakfast with
0: Goofy in June. Is there a reason you had to do that at eight o'clock in the morning? Don't say have. Get. okay. don't act like it's (laughs) a a reason you did it at eight o'clock in the morning.
2: (laughs) Because when you have a Disney World reservation, you can make your dining reservation 60 days ahead. And it starts at six a.m. Eastern time on that day. And like if you want the good goofy breakfast, like you have to make it at six a.m. the first day you can make it or it's gone. So I had like a pie chart. I'm up like I'm moving like databases around. Well, if we eat breakfast here this day, could we eat lunch here on this day? It is. It is me and my joy, neglecting my job and making reservations to eat with Goofy. Fuck, I talk. Fuck. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for going to practice and watching them stretch, Nathan. Um, not that you, I would have gone. I mean, it's your, your, it's your thing. You would have gone anyway. But 11 Warriors snap count. Last year, 11 Warriors snap counts. These were the five players who played the most snaps in the secondary. And there was a clear dividing line. Sean Wade was number one, Seven Banks was number two, Marcus Williamson was number three, Josh Proctor was number four, Marcus Hooker was number five. Marcus Hooker played 288 snaps, and the next most snaps in the secondary was Tyreek Johnson with 77. So there were five guys who played, and we know the Hooker, Proctor thing, and whatever. And it was COVID, and a couple guys were hurt. We're going to play who will lead the secondary in snaps in 2021 and we're going to start and we're going to let you guys pick guys. You don't, it doesn't have to be who's going to be one and who's going to be five. These will be the top five guys. So Nathan, we will start with you because you were at practice. We're going to name five of them and then we're going to mark it down. It's a market down weekend and see who's right. Because this is what it, matters. this is whatever you call the positions, whatever downs they play, Whatever, you know, and so like, yeah, Lathan Ransom played against Alabama a little bit at the end, and that was good and it was interesting, but he still only played 77 snaps or 61 snaps or whatever it was. He played 61 snaps. So he was not as important to Ohio State's fortunes as Marcus Hooker was over the course of the year. So Nathan, starting
1: with you, one of the five guys who will lead Ohio State in secondary snaps this season. So this guy is the combination of both the person who I think is – we're sure is best suited for his position and is a returning starter. I'll take seven banks.
2: Seven banks is number one. That's a reasonable number one pick. Steven,
1: Josh, Proctor. Yeah, a Josh Proctor,
2: just believing that he is the deep safety and that's it. And, and there's a chance Steven that like Josh Proctor plays like every meaningful snap, right? That just, yeah. he's just back there. There's always at least one safety on the field. It's always going to be him, and he'll play every snap that isn't garbage time as long as he's healthy. That's completely on the table. Not that that's not true for seven banks, but that's what we're talking about here. All right,
1: Nathan, third guy. It would be between one and two guys. I'm going to say I I know that Marcus Williamson maybe doesn't have the ceiling of some other guys, but between either the slot corner or that uh, cover safety, I think he's got some role, so I'll take him next.
2: Okay, Marcus Williamson. I'm a a little surprised by that. And listen, we're dealing just with reality. We're not saying, well, you know, we can assume I was going to say, well, assume everybody's healthy. Well, I don't know. Why would you assume that? I mean, guys have injuries. We have to see what happens. So we're just assuming reality. So the reality as it stands here in April, Marcus Williamson's the third pick. Stephen, who are you picking?
0: Cam Brown. I think he's the third guy of the four people who have been named where it's just they it's not a threat of by midway through the year, they're losing snaps to somebody behind them. Cam Brown, again, the most likely outside corner,
2: opposite seven banks. And so now we get down to decision time. Pick number five for Nathan Baird. Who you got?
1: Before I give that, I just want to say, I think the interesting, Cam Brown was the one when I said it's one of two guys, he was the other one I was thinking. But I think it is interesting to think about where Cam Brown was. He was, you know, not a starter last year, um, had a role at the start of the year, then got hurt. But if he's not playing at all this spring, there are some guys that I think were recruited in behind him that are higher ceiling guys. How much ground can they make up this spring when he's not playing to maybe take that kind of role? And maybe Cam Brown is still in more of a secondary, secondary role. We'll I see. mean, Cam Brown
2: played important snaps last year when he was healthy. He played 23 snaps in the first game of the year, and then he played 16 snaps in the second game and, and he got hurt. When you think about it, we do make a lot of assumptions about Cam Brown for a guy who just has not played all that much. And it's because of injury last year. He was going to be a
1: a, a starter. Right. In some way. Right. And or then I mean, he got his, his injury. Yeah, his injury kind of opened the door for what Lathan Ransom became.
0: And it's part part of why Marcus Williamson was probably playing 67 snaps and 70 snaps and 52 snaps in the last three games. Those are probably Cam Brown snaps. And though against those type of opponents.
1: Mm, <laughs> I mean, well, but Marcus Williamson started in the slot over Cam Brown to start the year. I think he, he did, would've...
0: but on passing downs, it was Cam Brown. And yep. if you're playing Alabama and Clemson, where you've yeah, got elite quarterbacks, yeah, yeah that's what I'm
2: The first game last year. Marcus Williamson led the secondary in snaps with 41 seven banks was second with 39. Marcus hooker was third with 35. Josh Proctor was fourth with 24 and cam Brown was fifth with 23. So they were the clear five to open the year. Tyreek Johnson, almost nothing. Lathan ransom, almost nothing. Nobody else really did anything. And then cam Brown got hurt. And then, that changed some things. And what it basically changes is that those other guys just like didn't come off the field at all. As you said, Steven, it's like, you know, all right, well, Cam Brown was sort of like a third down. He was in the third down package. And then once he was out, it was like, well, the third down package is the same as the first down package. So, but we are, he just hasn't played much. And he's like the second most sure thing at cornerback in a, in a way. All right. Who's your fifth guy, Nathan Banks, Proctor, Williamson, Cam Brown. And who's, who's left. Lathan ransom. So those five, Stephen, do you agree with those five that when we go to the chart and we will always go to the chart, God bless you, love and Warriors. when we go to the chart next January, those will be the five or are, are is the reason that your face is in your hand because you are pondering the existence of Cam Martinez in the universe
0: and how he fits in. I'm a, I'm pondering that and Ronnie Hickman. Um, but I do think I, I'm fine with the five if. I don't care about the order of the first four, but if Marcus Williamson is last in that order, because then it, it makes me a little bit more comfortable with the idea that of that five, he's the one that where against Oregon and Minnesota, he's playing 41 snaps, 50 snaps. But then by the time we get to Michigan Big Ten Championship, he's paying 15 snaps.
1: Yeah, but that I mean, we- assume someone else is the starting slot corner then. Yes. Like Cam Martinez. Right. right. Yes.
2: Yeah, that that it, it. I guess to me, it does make sense that it's like of these five guys. If everybody's healthy, if it's not an, if it's not an injury issue, which of these five guys might not end up in the top five? I think maybe I would say Marcus Williamson is the leading candidate to not be in the top five. Again, we're making sort of a pretty big. Assumption about that, like Lathan Ransom's role is locked in. But I think that's probably fair to do. And so if you're trying to figure out, well, is there a Cam Martinez, Ronnie Hickman, Legend Cavazos, Ryan Watts, like kind of thing that might happen, who would that take snaps away from? I think, Nathan, that it, it maybe would be Marcus Williamson.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of what I was trying to get at before was that one of the assumptions we're making is that Cam Brown returns healthy and then takes that outside corner spot. If for some reason someone else emerges that they like and feel is ready to play that outside corner spot. Now, maybe that puts Cam Brown back in a nickel type situation and that takes snaps away from either ransom or Williamson or both. And,
2: and they said Cam Martinez is playing outside
1: a little bit, right? Like Cam Martinez, we
2: should not be thinking of him only as an inside corner If Cam Martinez is just like, you know what? I figured it out. I learned how to play cornerback. I'm ready. And they're like, okay. Like that, that, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it goes back to something we talked about last week, which was, look at that 2019 defense again. Like, I think Sean Wade was the slot corner because – he had to be on the field. Like he was, he was too mm-hmm. good of a defensive back not to be on the field. So they found a place for him that made the most sense. And I, that's what this defense still needs, I think, to emerge. And they've got other questions beyond that, even just in the secondary. But if they need more people to step up and be like, you can't not play me. This can't be a thing where like, well, we need someone to play slot. So who can play slot? It needs to be we've got four defensive backs that are are great and we need to get them on the field. Now where do they go? I think that would help this defense and it was a step that wasn't there last year. And we've
2: talked about this before as much as like there are questions about the secondary, it's like, well, the secondary might kind of just be the same guys again. So of the mm-hmm. five guys, so it's Banks, Proctor and Williamson were also three of the top five guys last year and then what we're doing here is Cam Brown replaces Sean Wade and Lathan Ransom replaces Marcus hooker in the list of snaps taken, not exactly in responsibilities. Right. But that's what we're talking about here. So it's like, okay, if Josh Proctor and seven banks and Marcus Williamson are just better, is it an upgrade to go from Wade and hooker to Brown and ransom? I don't know. I mean, I guess I, we thought like Sean Wade was like Sean Wade made all American teams last year. Right. I mean, which we know probably didn't make sense, but he is going to be an NFL draft pick and it's hard because, we wound up all last year comparing Sean Wade against our expectations of Sean Wade and Sean Wade did not play as well as our expectations of Sean Wade. But if you just talk about Sean Wade as a big 10 cornerback, you know, I mean, he's pretty good. He like saved the Indiana game, right? I mean, he made plays. He gave up some stuff too, but like he was good. I don't, I don't think it was great, but like, you still got to replace that. And if you're replacing it with cam Brown, Nathan, we just, we don't know that for sure about cam Brown
1: correct and and I don't think we were like making stuff up when we looked at Sean Wade playing slot corner in 2019 and thought he was like not just a guy doing it that he was like really good at it like he he played that really well I thought now it was he had three NFL guys around him so that helped but I mean it was he was still tremendous in that spot so um, that there that is again what I was saying like they, this last year it felt like somebody had to start at slot corner somebody even almost had to start at safety and I don't think they were convinced of how great those guys were when the season started and I think if they go into 2021 with that same kind of thing lingering out there that's a problem
0: for this defense I agree with that there's a big difference between fine somebody's got to play so it might as well be you versus you yeah you clearly claim the spot and I do think
2: you know, I don't I don't know if this is a good comparison, but we also might be doing to Marcus Williamson kind of what we did to Jonathan Cooper last year, which is like, OK, well, he's here. He's going to play. He's a veteran. How, how is How good is he really compared to these younger guys, though? And then I don't know if you told me, all right, well, then maybe Marcus Williamson will be the best secondary guy. And like then he won't be a super high NFL draft pick, but he might be a good football player for Ohio State in 2021. Again, Jonathan Cooper, I think we're finding out, you know, again, we talked about he's, he's not going to go in the top three rounds. And he's not like those other defensive end, but he's a good football player for Ohio state in his senior year. Maybe Marcus Williamson is that, but again, as you do, you do it almost every position at Ohio state, but really at cornerback, we're in like a little bit of a weird two year thing where there is an expectation level that is built around Jeff Okuda and Denzel Ward and Marshawn Lattimore. And then if it's not that, it's like, well, I don't know. And it's like, well, you can still be a good big 10 football player and not be Denzel Ward, right? And that just might be, they might be looking at another year of that, but Cam Martinez is exciting because that's the kind of guy, it's like, okay, it's like in two years, we'll be talking about Cam Martinez like we talk about Denzel Ward, right? He's just like a player. He's fast. He gets after it, you know, whatever. Like maybe that's out there. It's fun to have a secondary guy and this is what's going to start happening. We already did it with Jalen Johnson, right? Am I saying? No, Ja'Kalen Johnson, Steven. You know, it's like you get these corners on the horizon. It's like, oh, ho, ho, ho. like you think something's coming because that's the standard here at Ohio State. And it hasn't quite been there. Maybe for a second, you're coming now. All right, that's our weekend Buckeye Talk. Make sure you're reading cluman.com slash OSU. Ryan Day, we'll talk again on Monday. So we'll have some of that on the Tuesday Buckeye Talk. We'll come up with some more ideas. We got some stuff going on. We we're, we're have a bunch of stuff that we're going to start doing to preview the NFL draft. We will have a podcast coming up. Where we predict where everybody is going to go in the NFL draft. So we will do that. We'll try to get some text or input on that if you want to be part of that. 614 350 3315. Again, we're moving through the gas station snack bracket on the texts as well. And just make sure you're checking, try to check cleveland.com slash OSU like at least once a day and see what's up there. There's recruiting stuff from Steven. And our recruiting team, they put up great stuff. Nathan is already turning these football interviews into some really interesting stuff. We have sort of a plan to how to preview the NFL draft with some different guys, so make sure you're reading that, as well as listening to Buckeye Talk five days a week. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.